Hey friends, this is Linda. Thanks for tuning in to Calling Water. What we do on this podcast is look at a passage of scripture each week and talk about what it means and also figure out some things it might call us to do. In today's episode, Consider Me a Believer, we're looking at the story of Paul's continued apostolic ministry in Acts chapter 16 and how following Jesus may lead us to unexpected places and people. Let's get started. Our text today in Acts chapter 16 reads more like a travel itinerary than a narrative story. Most of us will not even be familiar with the places that are indicated by the author, so we may be tempted to gloss over these parts to get to the more exciting events that occur later in the chapter, like when Paul and Silas are imprisoned, which we will look at in the next episode. But when we take the time to go through verses 9 through 15, we'll come across a smaller story perhaps, but significant takeaways for our faith and practice today. So up until this moment, the Apostle Paul, otherwise known as Saul, the very same who encountered Jesus via blinding light on the road to Damascus, has been tirelessly spreading the gospel. And he has a few companions that have been traveling with him. To the best of our knowledge, we know at the very least there was Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, Timothy, Paul's protege, and Silas. And it seems this ministry team of sorts had a game plan for where they wanted to go next. But in this chapter, we find that they kept hitting roadblocks as detailed in verses six and seven. Paul and his companions travel throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Now, for some unexplained reason, they're being prevented by no less than the Spirit of God, from going to the places that they had intended to go. But then in Troas, Paul gets a vision. Verse 9 tells us that this vision is of a man from Macedonia begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, we don't know much else about this vision, and later we'll see that they don't even meet a man, but the team decides that this vision clearly means that they are all meant to go to Macedonia. So they immediately set sail for Macedonia. And when they arrive in Philippi, which is described as the leading city of that district of Macedonia in verse 12, on the Sabbath day, they seek out a place of prayer at a river outside the city gate. Now, many Bible scholars believe that they were gathered at the river because there were not enough Jewish males in the area to establish a proper synagogue. Incidentally, all the people mentioned who were gathered at the river were women. Then verse 14 says, One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And really, those are the only things we really know about her. Now, very few women are talked about by name in the New Testament. Well, in all of the Bible, actually. 
And usually when women are mentioned, they're in association with a man, someone's wife, someone's mother, someone's daughter, or they're referred to in more generic terms like the Samaritan woman, the Canaanite woman, the bleeding woman. So for Lydia to have been devoted these few verses shows us that she played kind of a large role in the ministry of Paul and his associates, enough for Luke to include her in this account of what happened. Now, there are many theories about her, that she might have been a widow or a former slave who had been freed. Some even say that it's possible that her name wasn't even Lydia, but actually the place she's from, because Thyatira was part of a Roman province called Lydia. But nothing in scripture directly supports any of these claims. So all we can say for sure is that she seems to have migrated to Macedonia from Thyatira, and she was relatively wealthy, having her own business and managing her household. And the fact that Paul and his company of fellow gospel preachers chose to sit in the company of women and speak with them is also surprising. In his writings, Paul is known to have conveyed some highly unfavorable opinions regarding women's roles in the church. Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we find verses where he says things like women should remain silent in churches and it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, as you could imagine, passages like these stir up a lot of debate especially when the more traditional patriarchal circles use this to justify their unwillingness to affirm women in ministry. And some just reject Paul's teachings altogether because how could someone who pushes misogynistic views like this actually be representing Christ, who was very accepting of everyone in the margins? Now, I'm of the opinion that Paul was simply a product of his generation and his environment. His views and his advice to the early church were appropriate and common for his day and age, regardless of how they may have been perceived through the lenses of a 21st century microscope. The problem occurs though, when we get fixated on the instructions given by another human like Paul, rather than focusing on the message of Christ that is able to transcend time and cultural norms. But knowing this background is helpful because then we see to Paul's credit that he is willing to go against a grain of his upbringing and preconceived notions about society's expectations. Because after Lydia responds to the message Paul shares with the group, Luke describes what happens next in verse 15. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The fact that the verse ends with she persuaded us leads me to believe that it took a fair amount of convincing for this group to accept her hospitality. And the thing that she says that finally persuades them is, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, because now she had accepted the message of Christ, right? She had been baptized. 
and now they're of the same faith and community. So for them to reject her would be to say that they didn't believe that she was truly one of them. Pretty smart, right? And then she does become an important part of their ministry. After Paul and Silas are released from prison, which again, we'll talk about more in detail in our next episode, where do they go to recharge? Back to Lydia's house. So what might the story of Paul and team meeting Lydia in Macedonia have to do with us? As some of you might already know, I recently had a chance to be on my friend Carly's podcast, which is called Ditching Perfection, where we got a chance to talk about the ways perfectionism shows up in our lives, how we can move away from perfectionist tendencies, and focus more on who God made and called us to be. And if you haven't listened yet, I'll drop the link in our show notes. And while you're at it, check out all her other episodes. It's an amazing podcast. Anyway, in that conversation with her, I was sharing the story of how I was in a way catapulted into this position of giving sermons to adults after speaking only to kids for nearly 15 years. And when our senior pastor back in 2019 suggested that I spearhead the English ministry, my first thought had been, no, me? What? I can't. I'm a woman. Not... I don't have enough theological training, not I don't have enough experience with adult ministry, not I'm too young, although all of those things I did think at some point, but my first perceived limitation was simply that I was a woman. Now, it sounds comical to think about that now, but in that moment, I genuinely believed that that was my biggest barrier. Why? Because I had been taught and shown for most of my life that this was something I couldn't or shouldn't do. Because I had learned through some painful experiences that I would not be taken seriously when I spoke, and even worse, I would be criticized, ostracized, and discredited. I wish I had the courage of Lydia then to ask, do you consider me a believer of the Lord? Now, I know that many of our faith communities have been pushing the envelope for years to include and collaborate with women in ministry, but if you think of the state of the church now, have we come far enough? Because it pains me so much to say this, but the truth of the matter is some of the loudest voices in the world right now that seek to silence and disempower women belong to people who claim to love God. And not just women, everyone in the margins, everyone that doesn't fit into their idealized versions of what the world should look like. Is this really what loving God looks like? Because loving God is not about being the loudest. It's about listening to the voices of those who are hurting. Loving God is not about keeping the status quo. It's about being willing to upset the status quo if it means acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. Loving God is not about pushing your own agenda. It's about submitting to where the Spirit leads you and finding that wherever you're led and to whomever you're led, you can do God's work right then and there. So friends, this is my challenge to you. If you consider yourself a believer of Jesus, or even if you're not quite there yet, 
let's follow the example of Paul as he followed the example of Christ. Let's go to the places that we might not want to go, but feel compelled to go. Maybe it's a less prestigious school or a less glamorous job, but you might be needed there, or something you need might be there. Let's seek out the people we might not usually associate with or even have a slight bias against and listen to them. Let their voices inform your perspectives and even challenge your worldviews. And lastly, let's accept help. Let's admit that we can't do things on our own. Let's stop this culture of, oh, let's just grin and bear it, or let's just power through the pain and adversity. Because whether it's a physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual struggle, you can reach out and accept help even if it comes from someone you might hesitate to consider a believer. Because when we stop insisting on doing things our own way, God shows up in unexpected and wonderful ways. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for the early church leaders the pioneers of our faith who traveled far and wide, endured relentless persecution and hardships so that your word could indeed be taken to the ends of the earth. But being taught your word and even having studied it on our own is not proof positive that we are truly living by your word. Thank you for this reminder today that when we fully trust in you and follow you, you may lead us to places and people that might be out of our comfort zones, but they might be exactly where we need to be to live out our faith in the ways you desire. Help us to live the way we claim to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.